Good morning, church. Um, I'm Pastor AJ. Good to see you guys this morning. I want to invite two people to come up on the stage before we uh, jump into our mess this morning. If uh, Ken and Sally Balch could uh, come on up here. And as they're coming up, I'm just going to talk a little bit about Ken. Um, I have known Reverend Ken Balch for over 15 years. Um, He is a, a tremendous pastoral leader. He has served in his years of ministry as a children's pastor, an associate pastor, a senior pastor at two churches, and more recently for almost two decades as a staff for the district of the Mid-Atlantic District working under Dr. Ken Mills, the district superintendent, um, as a missional specialist focusing on church health, church leadership, and planting churches, um, has done a tremendous job there. And I believe this is an amazing blessing for our church that on September 10th, he is going to be starting here as our new executive pastor. And so I want to welcome him this morning. And um, his incredible wife, who has amazing gifts in her own right, Sally, um, has a background in social work, and she has worked with vast populations from teenage pregnancy to advocacy for uh, senior care. Um, She, again, has so many talents, so many abilities, and has a heart for people. And so we're really excited that Sally is a part of this team because they really are a powerful team in ministry. So if we can welcome (laughs) Sally as well. And I, I just wanted to give them, you know, a minute to share their heart with you guys and to say welcome. Looking forward to being here with you. We're in the middle of, the move, of moving, which uh, is way more work than I remember. <laughs> and uh, so we hope to be here shortly after Labor Day uh, and uh, that's and getting to know you. And uh, that's probably all I should say in my current state of sleeplessness. Sounds, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, we, we, uh, we unloaded a, a moving truck thanks to the help of several of our few students. That's what I want to yep, yep. Cassidy. <laughs> Jace, Zach, Joe, mm-hmm. and AJ, that uh, they rocked yesterday and two days ago. In the rain, And yes. we swam all morning going back and forth to the truck, and we survived. We so did. We good. survived. We did. That's <laughs> awesome. So, again, welcome, Ken and Sally Bulch. We love you guys. We're really excited about the ministry and what you guys are going to bring to the church community. Welcome. And if you guys want to get to know them a little bit better, I'm sure they'll probably... Um, be out in the foyer at the end, and you can welcome them and uh, get to know them a little bit better. Again, September 10th, Ken will officially be starting here. But welcome uh, to First Light Church, everyone. Again, I'm Pastor AJ. Today we're continuing in our summer series that's going to take us right through Labor Day, and this series is called At the Movies, Five Lies of the Devil. And for the last few years, we've kind of done this At the Movies kind of series at the end of each summer. And in this series, we've dove into some of Hollywood's, like, biggest kind of hits. And along the way, we've unpacked some core spiritual truths from Scripture that we can apply into our lives. And we've had a lot of fun, I think, in this series over the last few years. We've looked at sci-fi movies like Back to the Future. We've looked at action-adventure films like Top Gun. But this year, we put a little twist on this series. This year, we've been examining some of the big lies dropped on us over the years by Hollywood. The five biggest lies, if you will, that the devil has ever so subtly kind of sprinkled into our culture, into the messaging of media and movies, that now 
people just kind of believe these lies are true. And so each week in this series, we've kind of been exposing these lies, and we've just kind of been shining a light on them with the truth of God found in his word. And then we've been doing something fun also. Every Friday night, we've been doing this free family movie night where we have hot dogs and candy and sodas and popcorn and all that kind of stuff in the lobby. And from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. each Friday, um, we do a great family-friendly movie that preschoolers to grandparents can come and just have fun together and enjoy. And we've also been inviting all of our daycare families from Lighthouse School, which meets here Monday to Friday, to come and be a part of that as well. And we had you know, more people who were here this past Friday than we did our first Friday. So that's awesome. And I hope that trend continues over the next several weeks. So hopefully you guys have been coming. And if you haven't, hopefully you will consider coming out on a Friday night. I think the next two weeks especially, I think we're going to see a lot more of our daycare families because we're going to be doing some animated uh, films the next two weeks. And I think it's really going to be awesome for our preschool families. But even if you're not, you know, uh, a preschooler kind of person and you're not into animated stuff, it still might be awesome for you to come out and connect and get to know some of those families because we believe that loved people what? Love people, that's right. So I hope you'll be a part of that. Now, if you've missed any of the past weeks, um, here's kind of the overarching kind of idea of what we've been talking about. Um, over 100 years ago, there was a brilliant guy who came along named Louis Pasteur. And he suggested they were these invisible organisms that you couldn't see that actually carry diseases and could make people sick. And he said they could be passed on by touching, by sneezing, by sharing a drink with somebody, and so on, that there was this invisible world that was actually impacting the visible world that we could see. And so he put forth this idea that became known as the germ theory. And he suggested that the medical community should start doing some different things, like washing their hands before working with patients, and separating sick people from each other, things like quarantining, so they wouldn't pass around these diseases from one to the other. But many people outside of Pasteur's inner circle, other experts in the scientific community, thought his ideas were crazy. You're telling me there's an invisible world that we can't see that's impacting our visible world? That sounds like a fairy tale. Well, nowadays, the idea of microorganisms is common knowledge, right? Like, we just walked through what? A global pandemic, right? We all believe now in an invisible world that impacts our visible world. That's why all of this, all of us, have a lot of this, right? I mean, we have these in our houses, we have these, I just went on a trip to India, you know, back in April, I think everyone in my family carried a little one of these with us in our pocket. Every hotel we went to, every airport we went to had a bottle of hand sanitizer or had hand sanitizer stations. We installed them during the pandemic all throughout this building, hand sanitizer stations, okay? They're everywhere because everybody now understands that germs are real. Okay? We all get that. We all believe in the invisible world of germs and that it can be dangerous. As we've seen, it could even potentially be life-threatening. The rub is that the Bible teaches that there's another invisible world. 
And this world doesn't simply impact us physically, but it can also impact our thinking. It impacts our worldview. It impacts our attitudes towards morality and purity, how we manage our finances, our relationships, the way we relate with our parents and children, our spouse, how we date, how we deal with our business, how we interact with other people. It impacts everything about us. And just like germs, it can be potentially life-threatening. It can be emotionally life-threatening. It can be relationally life-threatening. But it's an invisible world. And yet, as we talk about it, some of us will tend to kind of push back and will resist this idea. We're like the people in the late 1800s that said, that's kind of hard to believe. That sounds like a fairy tale to me. But the same Bible that says, love one another, and we all like that, love people, love people. The same Bible that says, husbands, love your wives, and to that all the wives go, amen, right? The same Bible that says, children, obey your parents, and all the parents say amen. Even the non-Christian parents like, we like that one, we're going to keep that one, that's a good one, right? The same Bible says, look, there's an invisible world that's impacting our visible world every single day. And you don't need a microscope to be able to see it. The only thing you need is a rearview mirror. That's all you need. All you have to do is look back in your life. And we all have, we all have those moments where we wish we could go back and do something different. And we say, how could I have been so stupid? How could I have been so confused? How could I have ever thought that was a good idea? That was a good decision. How could I have been so deceived? How could I have gotten my thinking so twisted in my mind? Why in the world did I think that relationship was going to be healthy? Why in the world did I think that approach to my finances was going to ultimately lead me to a good place? Why in the world couldn't I see that what I thought was just a pastime was going to lead me into an addiction. I, I mean, looking back, it, it seems so clear now. Was I crazy? How could I have been so deceived in my thinking? How is it that things got so twisted, and now here I am paying the price physically, emotionally, and relationally? Or, or maybe right now you're seeing this play out in somebody you love, a child, a grandchild, a friend. Maybe right now you're watching them make decisions and you're thinking, why can't you see that you're about to make a terrible decision? But for them, it makes perfect sense. And they argue their case, but their logic is so fouled up and their thinking is so twisted. And you think, you're going to regret that. In fact, you might regret that decision for the rest of your life. But in their mind, it makes perfect sense. But there's a deception. There's a lie that has crept into their worldview. Why does this happen? Why does this happen? It's real simple, church. The Bible answers this question. It tells us that there is a twist. There's a lie. There's a distortion of truth, and it's just subtle enough to get us into trouble, but not so obvious that it scares us away. 
and it comes out in media and television and movies and culture, and the one behind the twist will never tip their hand or become too obvious because if they ever did, we would see the true face of evil and we would run away. Now, aren't you glad you came to church this morning to hear this uplifting message today? Welcome to First Light, everyone. But see, here's the deal. In Scripture, Jesus talks about this unseen world, and he says it's real. So if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 8, because that's where we're going to hang out today. But I got to warn you, this explanation is a little bit unsettling, and it's a little bit creepy. But here's what Jesus says in Scripture. He says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you what? Free. See, you guys knew that one. Most people don't even know that came from the Bible. The truth shall set you free. And that's kind of the point of the whole series, by the way. The whole point of the series is the truth can set you free. That's kind of what we're talking about. And the book of John, before we dive in, has some great passages of Scripture. Okay, Most of us in here, we know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, right? For God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. Even if you're not a Christian, you probably heard that. Great stuff in the book of John. But in the book of John, we also get Jesus' take on this unseen world, and it's kind of unsettling. In fact, when I read these verses, there will be some of you who are going to say, hold on a second. You know, I kind of like the Christianity thing. I've even kind of been thinking about the whole faith and Jesus and all that, but can we skip this part? And so here's Jesus' take on this other invisible world. And let me kind of set you up with what's going on here in John chapter 8. Jesus is having a conversation with some religious leaders. And this is kind of further along in his ministry right now. And he has done some miraculous things. There have been miraculous signs and wonders that he really is someone who is from God. And now crowds and crowds of people are following Jesus and believing this guy is legit. We think he might be the Messiah that we've been waiting for. And the religious leaders now, they're starting to feel very, very threatened by Jesus, that he is a threat to their authority and their power. And so Jesus is having a conversation with them, and he says, look, after all you've seen, do you religious leaders still not recognize that I'm from God? And their response to him is basically this, we don't need you to come from God, Jesus. We're related to Moses and Abraham. If God wanted to say something to us, he would have said it through Moses and he would have said it through Abraham. We don't need you, Jesus. And Jesus says, look, if you were really devout followers of God as you claim to be, if you were really followers of Moses and Abraham, you would recognize me because Moses knows who I am. And Abraham knows who I am. The problem is you guys don't know who I am because you're not really followers of God. And so they start to get into it. I mean, there is a battle of words going on now between Jesus and these religious leaders. And now Jesus, he just takes the gloves off and he just lets them have it. And he tells these religious leaders exactly why they can't recognize who he is despite all the miracles, despite all the signs and wonders. And he says this in John 8, 
verse 43. If you have your Bible or Bible app, we'll put it on the screens too. He says, why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. I mean, that's hardcore Jesus, church, right there. He tells these guys, you're sons of the devil. Hey, religious leaders, I can tell you why you don't recognize me, because there is a deceiver. And even in the face of overwhelming evidence, he has deceived you. And the problem is you've been so influenced by, you've been so deceived by your father, the devil. And now this was so offensive. They just finished saying, we're following our father, Abraham. You guys remember Father Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Abraham was considered the father of the Jewish nation. And Jesus is going, nah, Father Abraham, nah. I'm pretty sure your mom slept with Satan. That's what he's saying to them. Like, wow. I mean, try working that into a conversation with somebody and not get punched in the face, right? And then Jesus goes on in verse 44, and he says this. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. Now, you don't have to believe that. I'm just telling you this morning that Jesus believed that. He believed there was actually an entity, an individual known as the devil. Jesus believed that. And, and here's what Jesus believed about him. Jesus believed that this entity, known as the devil, that his ultimate agenda was murder. That his ultimate goal was the destruction of all human life. And that the means by which he tries to destroy humanity is through deception. He wants to destroy us all. And the means by which he goes about this is deception, distortion, twisting the truth, lies. And again, his ultimate goal is the destruction of human life and everything that's valuable to us. Relationships, marriages, parent-child relationships, friendships, communities, even church communities. Satan is against all of that, and he seeks to destroy it all through deception and lies and confusing the human mind so we think that what is right is actually wrong and what is wrong is actually right. And at the end of the day, there is destruction of the soul, the heart, relationships, and ultimately, even the physical body. And again, this is what Jesus believed. Jesus believed that somehow Satan influences this world, that this world, this planet we live on, was his domain. He would later refer to Satan as the prince of the world. And then look at this passage in Luke chapter 4. This is one of the temptations that Jesus faced under Satan. And just listen to this and think about it through the lens of what we've just been talking about in Luke 4, picking up in verse 5. It said, the devil led him up to a high place, and he showed him in an instant all of the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority. I'll give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to, if you worship me 
it'll all be yours. Wait, what? The devil will give Jesus authority over all the kingdoms of the world? Wait a minute. The only way he could offer that deal is if it was something he had to offer. Now, that's kind of disturbing. And again, I, I don't know the answers to everything, but here's what Scripture teaches, that you and I live on a planet that in some capacity has been placed under some control of an evil entity that Jesus refers to as the devil. And we wonder at times why the world seems so jacked up, right? Jesus taught that Satan has some power in the world and that, again, his agenda is the end of human life and that his means to accomplish it is through deception and lies. And apparently, he's not been given control over everything. God is ultimately in control of everything, but he has some authority. And the means that he is limited to working with is deception, a twist, a lie. Now, that's a little disconcerting, isn't it? But maybe, just maybe, that's also really helpful to us to know. Maybe it explains some things. Maybe it's something we need to factor into our lives and our thinking just like we do germs. Something we factor into our struggles with temptation. Something we factor into our struggles at home or with our spouse or our prodigal son or daughter or at work or at school or that weird thing where you have moments of peace and clarity in your life and then moments where you feel like you're going insane and you wonder, is something wrong with me? Well, maybe, just maybe, Jesus was right and there's an invisible world that's impacting your visible world. Maybe there's something you can't see that's affecting everything you can see. And guess what? Everything Jesus said was going to happen actually happened. Jesus said the religious leaders who boasted that they were the sons of Abraham were actually being manipulated by the devil. And guess what they did? They lied about Jesus and they murdered him. They had him crucified because that's what the devil does. He lies and he murders. He lies and he murders. And so 30 years later, the apostle Paul comes along and he begins writing to Christians in these very first baby churches that are starting to spring up. And Paul understands what, what Jesus taught. And so he writes a letter to some folks in a church in Ephesus, which is now known as the book of Ephesians in our Bible in the New Testament. And Paul is talking to them about how to live their lives and how to love their children and how to get along in their marriages and, and at their work. And at the end of the letter... Here's what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He writes this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He says, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Do you know what Paul believed? The apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, he also believed, like Jesus, that there is a devil, an entity, and that he schemes, he plans to take what's true and to lie and twist it. Let's take appetites, things that are good, and let's twist them and turn them into addictions. 
Let's take desire, a good thing, and let's twist it into lust and greed and envy. And so Paul writes, be aware there's an invisible world and there's scheming going on. And if you're in the middle of a marriage issue, if you're in the middle of a parent-child issue, if you're in the middle of a boyfriend-girlfriend thing, a relational issue, listen to these next verses, picking up in verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so finally, we get to today's big lie of the devil. And it's really, I think, taken over our world today. And we can so easily, so easily fall into this lie. I mean, it's literally everywhere. It's in almost every single movie that has a villain in it communicates this message, okay? Even the greatest Christmas movie of all time, Die Hard, okay? Some of you are like, Pastor, that is not a real Christmas movie. I'm going to put my case before you guys today. My wife argues with me all the time. She's like, AJ, it's not a Christmas movie. Office Christmas party, okay? Christmas music. Presents are given. There's a Santa costume. It snows at the end. And John McClane's wife is named Holly. I rest my case. Christmas movie, okay? Oh, and every December, it's watched more online than Santa Claus, Miracle on 34th Street, and Home Alone. So take that, Julie, okay? But guess what? If you prefer, like my wife and children, Home Alone as your Christmas movie, that movie communicates this lie too. So does Violent Night, Taken, all the Death Witch movies with Charles Bronson that my dad loved, probably every Western movie ever made, RoboCop. I could literally go on forever with this list. Here is big lie number three. People are my enemy. People are my enemy. And this lie controls the world right now. We live in such a divided society. We're divided racially. We're divided ethnically. We're divided politically. There are literally family members who no longer speak to each other since the pandemic because of politics. Politics has literally become their God over Jesus. That's crazy. But Paul says, wait, hold up. It's not your husband or wife that's the problem. It's not your son or daughter's problem. It's not your brother or sister that's the problem. It's not your in-laws that's the problem. Or people on Facebook. Or Republicans. Or Donald Trump. Or Democrats. Or Joe Biden. Or immigrants. Or white people. Or people that act different or look different from you. They are not your enemy. In fact, people in prison still loved by God. Go figure. The idea that other people are your true enemy, that's the twist. That's the lie. Sure, people can sin. Okay? Any perfect people in the room? No, we're all sinners, right? People can even commit horrific acts of evil. But the real enemy is hidden. So Paul says, before you start labeling other people as the enemy, remember, every person you're ever eyeball to eyeball with, 
is loved by God. Every person you ever meet is precious to your heavenly Father. And so they should matter to you. And remember, there's an invisible world that impacts our world. And that's where your real enemy is. Now, Paul, wait, come on. You wrote some cool stuff in the Bible, Paul. Like, you wrote the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. We do that at weddings. That's great stuff, Paul. Paul, you're telling me you really believe in a devil? You believe there's a devil we can't see and he's our real enemy? That sounds like a fairy tale. I thought my boss was the devil. I was pretty sure my mother-in-law was the devil. You're telling me there's a real devil? To which Paul would say, yeah. Oh, he's real. He's a murderer and a deceiver who destroys by lying and twisting the truth. And by the way, God loves your boss, and God even loves your mother-in-law. Now, as you've listened today, some of you are thinking, I'm so glad we're talking about this because I wasn't even sure if there was a literal devil. Others of you are a little jacked up, and you've been thinking the whole time, I might try that Jesus line on somebody and say, your mama slept with Satan and see how that goes. Don't do that, by the way. And then there's another group of you. Maybe it's your first time in church, first time watching online, maybe first time back in a long time, and you're going, this is why I don't go to church. Devil talk. What's he going to do next week? Um, I'm going to be handling snakes next week, by the way. No, just joking, just joking. I just want to say something to you very quickly, okay? If you're skeptical, skeptical about this whole thing, I totally get it. I totally understand. You know why? Because it's invisible. It's invisible. But come on. Just be real honest with yourself for just a second. Isn't it true that every once in a while, you see something, you hear about something, and you think to yourself, man, that's flipping evil. In your lens of trying to explain the world, because everybody has a worldview and a lens they look through, isn't it true every once in a while you hear about something, you read something that is so purely evil and you don't have an explanation? I mean, somebody goes into an elementary school with weapons, murders people. Someone kills people because of the color of their skin or their religion, and they say God is happy about what they did. That's twisted. Eight years ago, I went to Israel, and I visited the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. I can still close my eyes and see videos and images of the concentration camps. I remember walking through that building. And if you've ever visited the Holocaust Museum, like in Washington, D.C., or anything like that, nobody talks when they walk through it. It is like silent. It is still. It is solemn. It's heartbreaking. And the thought I kept thinking was, this took incredible planning to happen. This was like a machine. This wasn't someone just got mad and did something in anger. It took years and years and years of sophisticated planning. It was well-designed. It had propaganda, making the Jewish people appear subhuman to the German people through media and movies. 
for years. And over time, years of indoctrination happened. And thousands and thousands of people got to the point where they thought the right thing to do was round up all the Jewish people who had done nothing but be different, steal everything they own, and systematically and brutally torture and murder all of them. Men, women, children, and babies. That church is evil. You explain that to me without a devil. You explain it without a schemer. You explain it without a deceiver. And that's just one example. Sex trafficking, slavery, child pornography, the current political climate. See, every now and then, we get to see a glimpse into this invisible world that Jesus talked about, and we go, what was that? And Jesus says, I told you 2,000 years ago, it's your real enemy. And he's a murderer. And he accomplishes it through lies. There's an invisible world that impacts our visible world every single day. And that's why I try to pray this regularly for my family. God, please let me see and please let us see as you see. I want to see through the lens of Jesus. I don't want to see through the lens of culture. I don't want to see through the lens of Hollywood. I don't want to see through the lens of my emotions. I want to see the world like Jesus sees. I don't want to fall for the lie that other people are my enemy because there's a deceiver, there's a liar. And I don't fear him in some strange, you know, Halloween, Hollywood, horror movie kind of way. That's not my fear. That's not my concern about the devil. My concern is I don't want my reality, my view on life getting twisted. I don't want my view on my marriage getting twisted. I don't want my view on my relationship with my kids getting twisted, my friendships getting twisted, my relationship with my neighbors, people who are different from me, people who differ in their politics from me. I don't want my reality getting twisted so that it results in the destruction of relationships. And so I pray that God, through his word and through his grace, would help me to be able to see clearly. Because church, things are not always as they seem. Can we pray together this morning? Let's pray with heads bowed, eyes closed. Heavenly Father, this, this is a big subject, way bigger than me. And yet, Lord, everybody listening has at some point looked at something, heard something, we've read something, and we've thought, how could that have happened? Father, so many of us, we've been blessed. I mean, we've been protected because, you know, many of us in here, we, we've grown up in a culture that for the most part has acknowledged a one true living God. But most people in the world don't live in that kind of a culture. Father, would you use this teaching not to scare us, not to look for a devil behind every bush, but God, to bring our thinking into focus. Allow us to see things through your eyes, to see things as they truly are. Father, for, for the, the man or woman, the teenager here, 
who's caught up in stuff and they just wonder how they're gonna get out. I pray that their world would become untwisted. For those facing a relationship issue, a parenting struggle, they just can't seem to get past it. God, I pray that they would see they have a common enemy and it's not each other. It's not their spouse. It's not their child. For the son or daughter here that's running hard from home, I pray they would see their problem is not their parents. That there's someone who would love to destroy their lives, their future, their relationships, to just cause destruction at every level because he's a murderer and a deceiver. God, help us to see as you see so we can walk in the truth. God, give us your eyes. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, as we continue to just kind of process, because I know it's kind of deep stuff today, but as we continue to process, let's stand together and let's just, let's just sing. Let's worship God. And let's ask him that. Let, let that be our prayer this week. God, help us to see as you see. Give us your eyes to see.
You may be seated. Um, as we've been doing each week, uh, before I close you guys in prayer, I wanted to give you a little heads up on what's coming this Friday with our family movie night. And so, um, you know, the end of this week is my youngest son Lincoln's birthday. He's going to be turning four. And he said, Dad, um, I want to pick the movie for this week. And so I was telling him a little bit about what we were talking about today in his preschool understanding. I was talking about, you know, how, you know, the lie is that everybody's my enemy. I was like, do you know any movies where there'd be an opposite of that? And he's like, my favorite movie, Everybody's Your Friend. And I thought about it, and I'm like, you know, he's right. And this movie came out earlier this year. The preschoolers, we showed a preview in chapel, and they started screaming. They were so excited. If you're an adult, especially if you're in my, my age, if you're in your 40s or 30s, um, this might be actually very nostalgic to you too. And because it's my son's favorite movie, I've watched it about 375 times since April, um, since it came out. Um, and it, it's, actually, it's actually enjoyable. If you like musical, uh, musicals, it has some great songs in it too. Um, but here's a movie where everybody is so much your friend that even inanimate objects come to life and become your friend. Check out the movie we're showing this Friday. The world's most beloved puppy will embark on her first ever movie adventure. Blue, we are definitely not in storybook world anymore. Blue's Clues in New York City. This is epic. Broadway, here we come. Have you seen my handy dandy notebook? Without my handy dandy notebook, I think we're lost. Just forgot his handy dandy notebook. If they're lost, we must go to New York City. Have to help find them. I know a guy. You? Is that you? Josh and Blue are in New York City. They could be lost. This is a big deal. I know. Remember what Josh always says? We can do anything we want to do. You can do anything you want to do. You can do anything that you want to do. That's what we always say. Feel the music. Follow the clues. And follow that bark. And make dreams come true. It's him! It's John! All they need. Now that's what I'm talking about. Is you. We need to find Blue's clues. So we hope you guys will come out on Friday to see. Blue's Clues, the movie, that was Steve. He's making his appearance because it's like the 25th anniversary of Blue's Clues. And I think Lincoln has probably invited everybody here to his birthday. So we will have cupcakes as well on Friday if you show up and you can say happy birthday to Lincoln. I've also heard that Josh might even have a message for all the kids and Lighthouse kids as well at the end of that movie too, which might kind of be cool too. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, Lord God. Kind of a heavy topic today, Lord, but I pray that you would give us wisdom to know what to do with what we've just heard. And then, God, you would give us the courage, as always, to take action, to do something, to make a course correction in our lives, Father God. Maybe there's somebody that we've just kind of been looking at and we've kind of labeled them an enemy in our mind. We've cut off a relationship. We've done something. Maybe we need to reexamine that, Father God. 
pray that your Holy Spirit would do its work. Convict us if you need to convict us in an area, God. God, help us not to fall for this lie, this twist, this deception from our true enemy. Help us to realize that other people are not the enemy, that every person in this world matters to you, God, is loved by you. People sin, people do acts of evil, but there's an enemy behind it. There's a deceiver behind it who wants to cause conflict, the destruction of relationships, suffering. You're the God who wants to bring restoration and healing and grace and redemption. And we want to be your people. Help us to live like that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Hope you have an awesome week. Hope to see many of you back on Friday at 530.